Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome to the Investor Coaching Show. I'm Paul Winkler, talking money and investing and educating. So you may go, well, why do I need to be educated about this stuff? What's the big deal? Well, the reason comes down to when we get financial information, we get it from places that are typically selling us things and we don't necessarily recognize it. Or the person teaching the information has unknowingly gotten their information from somebody selling them something. It was early on in my career when I worked for a broker-dealer, worked for a big investment firm, and I've worked with many different big investment firms. I, and I was just lucky enough to actually fall into some academic research and, and get into that particular world. Because if it weren't for that, forget it, I would be, I'd be probably lost as last year's Easter egg. Uh, but, you know, the reality of it is, is that when I was in that world, I was getting most of my information about investing, talking about real estate and investing in real estate and, and different real estate investment trust type of programs, annuity programs, insurance companies educating us. A lot of the education came from the insurance industry. Matter of fact, insurance companies run a lot of the big institutions teaching financial advisors. Do you think there might be a conflict there? <laughs> just, just could be. Uh, but, you know, what happens, people get information or a mutual fund company pays for the, the symposium that the advisor attends. That's what I went to. I went a lot of symposiums put on by mutual fund companies, uh, ETFs, uh, they, they, you know, the companies putting together ETFs, uh, exchange trade funds. Uh, you know, I would go to things being put on by uh, various companies putting out real estate investment trusts and and, uh, and limited partnerships. These companies would pay for us to go through their education programs. And guess what they taught you? They taught you about their products. Go figure. And they talked glowingly. And they would go through these big, you know, just, just this whole... Uh, strategy session on how to use their products to advantage of uh, the investor. And they did talk about that, but the reality of it, it was more of a, an advantage to them is really what you were learning about. But it sounded great. You know, so I always tell people, this is why I want you to get this stuff. You don't have to know everything that we know, but I want you to understand something about it. And a lot of times people say, I can't possibly, and I go, no, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. And that's what this particular show this hour right now I am going to walk through how you can kind of sneakily check up on the financial advisor and you say well sneakily I mean how do you check up and and how do I know that what I'm checking up on is is accurate or, or that it actually holds any water and the reality of it is is a lot of what you know about investing is true. You already know certain things about investing, but you just don't know how to tell whether those things are happening in your own investment, in your, your own portfolio. So that's that's kind of where I want to go with this, is how do you look at things and just for nothing else, maybe have a little peace of mind that everything's okay, or that there's a problem. And if there's a problem, you don't want to be that person that doesn't figure it out 
until you're 70 years old or 80 years old and you're living on way less, a much lower standard of living than you should be living. And, and I've, I've had conversations recently with people that that was the topic of conversation. Oh man, I just wish I was better with money when I was in my 20s and my 30s or 40s. And you know, the reality is we can't go back and fix it. It's too late at that particular point. So understanding what do we have to do right now is to me critical. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend a little time on that. Now, a lot of people think they know more about investment, and this includes investment advisors. They think they know more than they actually do. A little bit of knowledge can make you dangerous. And there was, you know, the whole video about that I was watching is about how the brain hates the idea of admitting that it doesn't know something. <laughs> that was an interesting premise. It's, it's us. We hate admitting that we don't know something because we don't want to look bad. I don't want ignorance. That's terrible. No, the reality is ignorance is fine. I'm ignorant about a lot of things. And, you know, I'm ignorant about brain surgery or, and heart surgery and just about any type of surgery I'm ignorant about. I mean, it's just uh, fascinating. Suppose I could get up to speed on it if I really, really want to take the time to do that. But I'm not going to because I don't have the time. But, you know, what we do, we go to a medical facility we go into a medical facility and we blindly trust there. Why can't we do that financial? Well, it's a whole different ball game. When you're talking about a medical facility, you're talking about people in that facility having gone through years of education. They've jumped through a lot of hoops. You know, you've got the education process. You've got, you know, graduate school, medical school. You've got residency. You've got a lot of things that they have to go through that, quite frankly, in the financial industry, you don't have to go through. I was talking to a lady the other day, and we were just talking about that very thing. She goes, well, what are the, what are the educational requirements? And I says, well, let me, just, let me just put it this way. One of the requirements to actually be a registered investment advisor, a representative, <laughs> you know, one of my guys saying, it took the, took the coursework, and it took him two weeks. That was it. A couple of weeks of study, and boy, he had everything that he needed in order to call himself a financial advisor. And you go, well, what, what, two weeks? Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. And it really wasn't about investment management. It wasn't academic uh, investment management. It wasn't any of that stuff. It was really more about the rules and, and laws and things, what you can do, what you can't do, what you can't say and what you can't say. You know, you know it, it wasn't what you would think of. You know, what comes to financial planning and advising. Now, a lot of people that are in the industry can talk a good game because they've read some and they are interested in it. But what are they reading? In, in, my, in my own history, in my own experience, in interviewing financial planners to work that wanted to work with us, even when they had degrees, I was just going, whoa, wait a minute, you don't know enough yet. And I would have to back off and say, you know, when you go in, go get some experience, you know, go work in a planning position someplace and, you know, then, then come back when you know a little bit more and then continue to grab more education as you go. Because the initial education to get the financial planning degree was great and everything, but it wasn't enough because unless you apply it, it's like anything else. Unless you actually get in the industry and you apply your knowledge, book knowledge is great and everything, but it has to go a lot deeper than that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through some things I think that are important 
and how you can, through the back door, look to see whether everything's okay in your investment portfolio or not. Now, one of the things, and, and I, I put together a little booklet on this, you know, one time. So I, I thought, you know, it'd be kind of fun to walk through this. But what I was, uh, what I was getting at in the book is that, you know, typically what we know about investing, there is, without any formal training, we know some things that just hit our logic bone, so to speak, and just make sense to the point where, you know what, if what I'm doing, if the way I manage my investment portfolio is in line with my beliefs, and my beliefs are logical and it makes sense to me, and, and I, I have heard some of these rules before, if those th two things are in, in alignment, then I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to be worried about it. But let's say that you believe something and that you have a philosophy about the way money should be managed and, and maybe it's really, really logical and it makes a lot of sense to you. Like, for example, you hear that you shouldn't time the market. I'll give that as an example really quickly. I'll come back to it in a second. But let's say that's the thing. You go, I, I shouldn't be timing the market. And then all of a sudden you find out that your money is being managed using market timing then you're going to have something we call cognitive dissonance. What I'm doing does not align with what I believe, and I'm not going to be comfortable. Number one. Number two, not the least of which, is you know, what happens if my returns are way lower than they're supposed to be? Because not only am I not doing what I believe to be the right way to manage money, but I'm being harmed by it. And let's say that the investment industry is actually fully on board and managing money in this way, which they are, uh, they're not going to tell me. They're not going to tell me that I'm out of alignment. And, and why is that? Well, since I'm on market timing, let's just talk about it for just a quick second. Burton Malkiel from, from Princeton basically said, when asked about this, why do they engage in this? John Stossel is asking him this, his, this question. Why are they engaging in this practice if it has the tendency to hurt investors and not help them? And he says, I'm, and I'm just paraphrasing. He says, I'm not saying this is a scam. They truly believe that they can do it. The evidence is, however, that they can't. And that's pretty, pretty close to exact quote is what he said. Now, so why is it? It's because our egos, you know, as a financial planner, let's say, or an investment manager, if you're basically going out there and working with money every single day, it's really hard for you to admit that you can't figure out what's going to happen next, where things are going to go, that you can't study enough to figure out, you know, which areas of the market I should be in. Uh, and it's not just pure market timing, being in the market or out of the market, because you'll hear people say, I can't do that, can't do that. You'll hear financial people say you can't do that. But what they do is they engage in what's called tactical asset allocation. And actually, in my book, confident investing, I talk about the statistics on how often funds are changed in that particular manner. It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing that it is not the exception, but the rule that this is being done. 
where you shift money between small companies because I think maybe large companies can do a little bit better because the interest rate atmosphere right now. Or I think I'm going to shift it over here to growth companies because I think growth companies are going to do a little bit better based on what's happening, what the president's doing, what the president's not doing, what Congress is doing, what Congress isn't doing, you know, what's happening in China. You know, geopolitical risk, I, you know, based on this, I think we ought to be doing this based on what's happening right now and the valuations in this particular area of the market. And these little subtle changes are taking place inside of people's portfolios and they don't even know that it's happening. Now, how do you ferret this stuff out? Well, number one, with that particular, that, that particular problem, market timing, it may be a little bit more difficult, but I'll tell people to go back and look at their statements. Pull up a statement from five years ago. Pull up a statement from three years ago. Pull up a recent statement. And look at the asset mixes. How much is in big companies? How much is in small companies? You know, look at your funds. You see big fund changes. You know, maybe one fund is, is gone. It used to, used to own. Now you don't own it anymore. Maybe it's an energy fund. You don't own that anymore. Maybe it's a technology fund that you just started to pop up in your portfolio recently. Now you see it there. It used to not be there. Or do you see a real estate fund that's, that used to not be there but is there or vice versa the other way around? Now, when you see these changes and I had this fund but it's gone or that the asset mix has changed significantly, you know, how much you have in stocks versus bonds. And typically you see these little pie charts. You see how much is in stocks versus bonds. And you can look at this, just kind of study. You'll figure it out. I, you know, it's one of those things that I always tell people, if you just want us to look at it, it's fine. We'll do that. But here I'm just telling you, this is something that you may want to look at yourself just to get a, a warm fuzzy that it's okay. Or, uh, wait a minute, maybe something isn't quite right here. Now, another thing that I'll look at is I'll look at what's called a style box to see what's going on. And I'll look at, let's say, a particular fund. Maybe you own that, that fund for the last 5, 10 years or whatever. No, no change. You've owned that fund. But if you go out there on the internet, you can actually look at like Morningstar and you can see what the style box was. And it looks like a tic-tac-toe box is the way I describe it to people. You got nine boxes. And if the box in the upper left-hand corner is filled in, that is telling you that it's large value is what the fund is investing in. If it's the upper right-hand corner, that's large growth. It's a different area of the market. Value stocks, you know, you hear about Warren Buffett, value investor. That's why you hear about him because he would invest in value companies or companies who had low prices compared to earnings and, and book value. Now, if you look at the upper right-hand corner, that's growth companies. There's going to be companies that have a high price compared to their assets, the book value. And so what happens during some periods of time, those companies may do better. They do worse. 96% of 20-year periods, growth underperforms. Large growth underperforms. So the upper right-hand box underperforms in 96% the, in the of 20-year periods. Then you look at the, let's say the middle set of boxes is filled in. Those are mid caps, as you'd expect, middle of the, the nine boxes. Remember, it's like a tic-tac-toe box. So the, the top three are going to be large companies. The middle, that's going to be mid cap. And the bottom set, as you probably guessed, they're small caps. If it's on the right-hand side, bottom right-hand side, it's small value. On the bottom, bottom left-hand side, it's small value. And on the bottom right-hand side, it's small growth. And in the middle, they call blend or, or you know, it's typically like a blend between value and growth. Uh, you might hear it's referred to as core, something like that. 
But in, in essence, what you're looking for is you can typically find Stylebox history on a fund that you own. And you can look to see if the style box changes from when you're in the next. Again, if this is something you can't find on your, your own, you want us to look it up, we're, we're glad to. But this is something that I tell people to look for. Also do this. Read the prospectus. You know, if, uh, if somebody, you know, the, there's an old saying that says somebody tells you something about themselves, believe them, right? <laughs> uh, you know, if, they, if there's something negative they tell you about their, themselves, then, then you can believe it. Well, if you read the prospectus in the beginning of, you know, the funds that they issue these things, you can read these things and it will tell you, we look for undervalued companies. We, you know, we look to, uh, for opportunities. You see that type of language out there. We look for areas that are under, undervalued or overpriced to get rid of the ones that are overpriced and, and buy the areas that are that are underpriced or the areas that are poised to rally or whatever you see you see the wording like that in the fund that's what they're telling you is we are shifting money between these areas based on what we think is going to happen we've looked in our crystal ball just think of it that think of it that way i've looked in my crystal ball and here's what i think is going to happen well so we just dealt with one rule of investing right there. I have heard forever that I shouldn't try to time the market. And yet, this is the rule in the investing world, not the exception. This is one of the things we want to look for. And if I believe that market timing doesn't work, but my portfolio is being managed that way, that should be a red flag. Now, I'm going to go through a couple more rules in just a second. And, uh, you know, we'll walk through a couple other things. Now, the, the other ones are going to be easier to find, okay? A couple of the other ones are going to be a little bit easier to find. So, you know, don't panic that this one, this is already too complicated. I just gave you probably the hardest one. I probably shouldn't have started with the hardest one, but I wanted to start there. It gets a little bit easier from here. Some of the things you can look at, and it may be quicker for you to find a couple of these things. But again, what we're doing is if I am just blindly trusting a financial person, I may be putting my trust in somebody that A, doesn't have the education that they that I think that they have, and B, their values and what they believe aren't in alignment with what I believe and what I know to be true, and that's cognitive dissonance. And then what happens when we have cognitive dissonance, we will not have peace of mind. We will not be relaxed about money. We will not feel a sense of confidence that I believe that you absolutely have. Because if I'm putting money away in something, I don't want to throw good money after bad. If it's not being managed properly, uh, I'd rather just withhold. Thank you. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there. And if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more competent investors and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.